Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 28th episode of the Sport Nimerick Soccer Podcast. Delighted to be joined once again by Noel and Jason O'Connor. And what is a, a huge week in senior soccer circles for 3D United, that's for sure. It's a very exciting week with the playoffs beginning on Wednesday evening. And we're a couple of days out from that as we speak, Jason. The team finished the regular season on a positive note. They got a 2 0 win against Kevin Teeley, a clean sheet. William Armstrong came off the bench and made an instant impact. And young Josh Quinlevin coming off the bench uh, to score his first goal for the club as well. Although I do believe there was one man who, back in 1992, might have been even younger than Josh Quinlevin scoring for a senior team. I don't know who that was. I might have been, Adrian. I'm not 100% sure. It's a long time ago now, that's for sure. But that's probably one for Gary, Gary Spain or someone like that to have a look at. But yeah, that's something Josh won't, um, won't forget. I certainly remember the goal back then. It was in Garta Keegan, 1992, and was lucky enough to score against Waterford as well. Last game of the season, massive game. They needed a draw. Um, so I'm sure Josh, delighted. He must be his dad, Damien. Very proud dad has, has been by his side on the sideline for, for many a year with his underage career in Pike. And he's always been a goal scorer, Adrian. So really delighted for Josh to get off the mark and that lose confidence the power of good really will. We saw what Willie Armstrong brings, didn't we, yet again? He's a massive impact off the bench. He really is, and, and a fantastic goal. I suppose hard to assess Treaty's performance overall with, with all the substitutions and the changes, and I suppose Tommy protecting some people and, and giving other people minutes. But Mark Walsh again, you know, standout player, Adrian, last couple of minutes, clearing balls off the line and, and stuff like that. Very, very good player in the running for player of the year for me. Dean George impressed yet again. Um, he's definitely in the shake-up for a starting berth on Wednesday. In my opinion, he, he's been excellent since he came back in. You know, after injury, I said that last week. I've been very, very impressed with him. But I suppose, look, it gets that kind of monkey off the back with Kevin Teeley. We were kind of suggesting that it could have been a bogey team for Treaty. So... Look, depending on what way the playoffs go, look, if you're playing them again next year, then you're not worried about meeting them, Adrian. And, and look, I think Treaty have taken points off every single team that they've played now over the season. So it really leads into a, a fantastic week for the club. It's something that we can all enjoy, Adrian. I think that's, that's the key piece for me. And it's on the back of a great result. And as you said, that's nine clean sheets now for Tyg, for Tyg Ryan. Again, super performance from him, some excellent saves. You know, so a really, really positive way, I suppose, apart from Sean McSweeney, uh, picking up that yellow card and a, and a silly one for pushing people, pushing somebody. I think Tommy will be very disappointed in him for that. I think it rules him out of the second leg, Adrian, of, of the playoffs. And that's probably the only sour note of, of the evening because overall it was another great occasion for the club. And as you said, clean sheet, three points, and it finishes the season in a, in a fantastic fashion. Yeah, it certainly did. Noel, we spoke about it last week before the Kevin Teeley game, what effect it would have if, if they didn't get a win. I was speaking tonight to, to Jack Lynch and Tommy before the playoff game, and, and particularly with Jack, you got the impression that the players almost needed that boost before Wednesday because they hadn't won in a bit to get that victory uh, against Kevin Teeley. Um, I suppose that's the positive side. And as Jason said, one downside is that that real, uh, I suppose, poor moment uh, of madness from, from Sean McSweeney, which we're not quite sure confirmation-wise yet whether it rules him out of the second leg, but it certainly looks like it, it will. That was the only downside, as Jason mentioned. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see it, uh, when it does fall. But I suppose all they'll be thinking about is the match on Wednesday night. Um, it was a perfect night for him, I thought. Uh, it was kind of what, you know, you hoped would happen, you know, to get the victory up there, the clean sheet, particularly to get that second goal from, you know, a young player who's just played a few games with the academy. Um, it should it should give him a great boost. I felt myself that they didn't need such, you know, a big boost. I thought that, you know, once they had guaranteed the the playoff place, I think that they could separate out maybe what was happening in the league and what was coming up. But it certainly would have done them no harm. Um, we were talking about players getting more game time and getting into a bit of form that that they'd be going into the the playoffs maybe with fifteen or sixteen players in pretty good form with um, a bit of game time. And I think that they've certainly succeeded um, in doing that and uh, they must be very excited about uh, Wednesday night now. Yeah, certainly. And that brings us to speaking about that game on Wednesday night, Jason. They play UCD over two legs. At one point last Friday, it looked like it might be Galway, but then break, pitch later, and obviously Treaty got a couple of goals in the second half to ensure they'd be playing UCD. Uh, the first game is at the markets field. I suppose... The big question is, before we maybe get into the nitty-gritty of, of individual players, I mean, what kind of strategy do you think Tommy Barrett will employ? Do you think it will be a case of, you know, he'll feel like the team have to take a lead to Belfield, or is it a case of just making sure you don't lose in the first leg as well? Well, for me, Adrian, I think winning on Wednesday night at home, scoring at least a goal and, and winning the game would be the icing on the cake, regardless of what happens after that, Adrian, in the away leg and in the final and, and things like that. I think it, it'll be the last home game of an unbelievable season and it's what will bring the crowds back next season, I think. Again, regardless of what happens in, in the away leg and the final, I think this is the opportunity really for Tommy and the group just to, I suppose, solidify that connection with the football in public in Limerick, Adrian, you know, that have really got behind the group and there's a fantastic buzz around the city and, and everyone is talking about it. So it's that first leg to send the supporters home happy, that's the big thing for me, Adrian, you know. So a win, a clean sheet, if at all possible, that will be difficult against UCD, there's no doubt about that. But if I was in Tommy's shoes, I would be looking to win the first leg. Yeah, and that brings us to the, the big conundrum, I suppose, of of team selection, Noel, for the game. I think it's fair to say with the seasons and with the return of Sean Gearns recently and with the season that the back five have had, that back five probably picks itself uh, for the game. I, I'm not sure if you'd agree with that, but also in speaking to Tommy tonight, he effectively, without fully doing it, he effectively ruled Sean McSweeney and Clyde O'Connell out of starting uh, the game as well uh, due to injuries and and so on. So he, he he kind of intimated that that would be the, the situation as well there. So I suppose that probably shows that there's only probably three options left in midfield, really, if you were looking at it that way. And then on the wings, I suppose, as well, you've got a, a, a big conundrum in, in who he picks too. So uh, how do you see uh, Tommy employing that team? Well, I mean, I suppose... Waiting to see what happens. Um, I'm a bit surprised to hear that Sean McSweeney might might be injured. I wouldn't be too sure about that right now. Um, particularly if he's going to be suspended far for the second leg. But um, I expected, you know, assuming that people are fit, including Sean McSweeney, that Kieran Hanlon and Sean McSweeney, if you like, would be the nine and ten. Um, 
you'd have to see Mark Walsh and Jack Lynch in the middle. And, uh, you know, I suppose there is one one decision of the three, if you look at having Stephen Christopher, probably Dean George and Matt Keane would be the three, I think, you know, to fill those two positions uh, in the wide areas. And I, it'll be how deeply maybe Tommy thinks that Charlie Fleming needs a bit of protection on that side, particularly, you know, the strength of UCD has always been in, in those wide areas when they are on farm. And, you know, certainly Liam, Liam Kerrigan did a lot of damage the last time. And the first game where they lost 4-1, it was all the damage was done kind of on both flanks, but particularly down Charlie Fleming's side. Um, and I know this is a home leg, but Jason's talking about a win. You certainly don't want to be losing it um, at home anyway. And they will be dangerous, um, UCD. So possibly Matt Keane on, on the right. I know he's favoured uh, Stephen Christopher um, pretty much since since he signed. He's got an awful, lot of, an awful lot of game time. I would expect him to start. Um, I'd probably be leaning towards Matt Keane as well, but it wouldn't surprise me, you know, assuming that Sean McSweeney is okay, that you would see uh, maybe Dean George appear on the left and possibly Stephen Christopher or Matt Keane on on the right but as you say like there isn't a lot of big decisions to be made I think just maybe a couple and that's probably the biggest issue in the team um, based into Wednesday I suppose who knew that managers could possibly lie to asking journalists about team selection that's very uh, very possible as well Noel I must say uh, putting the message out there that Sean could be out Um, I suppose Jason if, if Sean was you know, fully fit, you know, for the home leg, especially if he's missing for the way leg, like you said, if you're going to win a game, a player like that is someone who you want in the team who who can create something for you and give you an attack and impetus. But I suppose overall, what's your own opinion on, on team selection for the game on Wednesday? Yeah, I suppose, firstly, you mentioned Clyde O'Connell and Sean McSweeney there, possibly been injured. Your, your leg would want to be hanging off, Adrian, to miss a game like this. Let's be honest about it. If it's a knock or if it's a strain, you gotta get the players have to show the the desire to get out onto the pitch and and win the game for treaty. You know that that's my own slant on it. And if they're not, then it tells you a lot about the players as well. Um, if everybody is fit, you quite rightly said the back five picks themselves. Um, Mark Walsh in the six, Jack in the eight, McSweeney in the ten. And right up top, and I'd go Dean George and Matt Keane on, on the two wings myself. If if Sean McSweeney's out, I would expect Tommy to go with Stephen Christopher in the 10. Um, and whether he'll go with Joel Custrain is, is debatable as well on the wing. But for me, Dean George has, has probably shown more in the last three or four games than, than some of the other players that are that are vying for wide positions. So that would be the way I would go, Adrian. And I'll reiterate it again. People carried knocks. They'd want to be serious knocks. So to keep them out of a game of, of this size, it's genuinely good. Yeah, Dean George has two assists uh, in recent weeks and a goal, uh, Jason, which is, I suppose, important to, to point out. And I know that both of you have been, I suppose, advocates of maybe having one winger 
that is more attacking minded and one who is more uh, solid and obviously Matt Keane provides you with that solidity so do you think maybe because it seems like it might be a straight shootout really between Stephen Christopher and Dean George depending on Sean McSweeney's fitness maybe for the, the wing position do you think that maybe it would be overly defensive Noel for uh, Stephen Christopher and Matt Keane to play when you do have someone like Dean George and Willie Armshaw there for the other wing no, I wouldn't call it over. I, I actually see him more of a of an offensive winger than a defensive winger, Stephen Christopher. Like he certainly took a while to settle in. I thought, you know, there was a lot of games early on that I wasn't quite sure, you know, what he was about. But certainly in the last few games, I think that that he's contributed a whole lot more. Um, and obviously he is a favorite, if you like, of the management. I wouldn't be saying that in a bad way, but um I wouldn't see him as being um overly defensive and I think in fairness to him in the last few weeks he's certainly shown the capability of doing both jobs but no doubt about it that Matt Keane would be your solid um, option there and with the, you know I would have a little bit of worry about that side of the pitch and I think you, it, it would be sensible to have Matt Keane there certainly and um, I think both those players regardless if he goes with Dean George first or Stephen Christopher first I think both of those players you know will see plenty of action over the two legs anyway. and there and they are positions where probably you make your most substitutions um in each game those areas so i think both those players will um will see plenty of action yeah ucd jason as we already know are going to be a formidable opposition we only played them a fortnight ago anyway we were speaking of, i was just looking through the stats for instance um uh, through extra time.e actually uh, Cullen Whelan being the top goal scorer, Liam Kerrigan, third top goal scorer in the league with 13 goals. And then you go into the assists and there's seven or eight UCD players with, with over two uh, assists with Whelan and Kerrigan again to the four. Um, like what, I suppose what's the best way to counteract that UCD team because they are a very good footballing team and, and a very positive side. They are a very attacking team on their day, Adrian. And, and look, we debated it slightly, I suppose, last week. Who would you prefer to play? And it was based on them type of stats that I was leaning towards. I'd prefer to play Galway, you know, because UCD on their day, as I said, are, are capable of scoring goals and, and the stats are there to prove it. I suppose up against them, Treaty had success in the markets field, but again, I mentioned it last week. On that occasion, UCD played three centre-backs and played with wing-backs. That wasn't the case two weeks ago. It was a flat-back four. And I think if it is a flat back four again on Wednesday, it'll be difficult for Treaty to exploit them in, in the wide areas. It'll be more of a case of, of dropping off like they have done all season. But then it's the where, the when, and, and I suppose the how of the, of the press, Adrian. Where do you press them? What part of the pitch? For me, it's got to be a little bit higher up um, than it was two weeks ago. How are you forcing them in what direction? Are you forcing them wide? Do you want them to come through the middle? Do you know, and who presses the nearest player presses, regardless of who that is, Adrian. And it's got to be aggressive and there's got to be covering behind. If you allow Sean Brennan time and space on the ball, he will hurt you. There's no doubt about that. So whoever is in the 10 will need to be mindful of that for, for treaty and not, not be allowing him space to get on the ball and pick passes and, and start patterns of play for UCD. And I suppose it's frustration, frustrate them. That's, that's been the treaty model all season, Adrian, and, and why move away from it at this late stage of a very successful season? 
get your defensive shape right, be solid in the middle, force to play in one direction, and then aggressively press and, and win the ball back. And, and when you win it, your transition to attack has to include Karen Hanlon. And if it's Dean George or Stephen Christopher or Matt Keane, then we have to get our set pieces going and, and be organised when we go in transition to attack. But be patient as well at the same time because they're a very, very good football inside. We can't afford to go, I suppose, Harry carry with it and, and leave ourselves wide open because they will expose you a lot more than, than most teams in this division. But again, I'll say it, it's, it's the press. When does it happen? How does it happen? Um, and how solid centrally treaty can be, you know, and then can we make use of our set pieces? But we know that UCD, if they go behind, they can be a little bit vulnerable. And that would be the key for me. And that's why I'm suggesting that it's important that treaty win the first leg as opposed to just coming away with a draw get ahead, maybe you can win the game, maybe you could even get two, but you don't want to go behind to UCD, Adrian, because they could punish you and it could get away from us. Yeah, I know that, Noel, you were saying earlier on that it's been a, the wide areas have been fruitful for UCD as well with the likes of, of Paul Doyle. I suppose, would, would you kind of think that it, it needs to be maybe a low block and sitting in or do you aggressively press UCD? What's your own opinion on that? No, I don't think I couldn't see them aggressively pressing them. Um, certainly, will be a low block, and I'd be showing them out into the wide areas. And like the UCD, you know, the personnel changes every few years, but the style of play doesn't. Um, they're very good technical players on the pitch, and they want to keep possession and and they want to work it through. And and they like coming down the middle. Um, it is a big onus on 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 your full backs when you show your UCD into the wide areas because they got to be. They got to be able to defend in that one v one area when you know when they're faced with with a good winger and you while you be confident confident enough on Mark uh, Mark Lund's ability it's it's a little bit of a worry on 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 the other side of the pitch but certainly drop off fill the spaces just make it difficult for them force them back out and you know they are inclined to try and keep possession and keep possession and keep possession and for treaty there's nothing wrong with that. You know, as long as they fill the spaces in their own half, I know the crowd. It you know, might you know probably agree with it. They'll be anxious for them to come out and attack them, and uh, it's important that they keep their their focus. And I think uh, the discipline will be very important. Um, I think Jason is right. There's going to be a big crowd there. There's going to be a lot of you know atmosphere and maybe tension, and guys might get carried away with it. You know, we spoke already this year about, you know, how unused to crowds that this group of players were. And uh, they, they need to keep their feet on the ground and maybe not, you know, be too reckless because the, um, certainly we've spoken about referees and well, as well, and they'll be under pressure in this. Whoever's reffing it, there'll be a big crowd there and they'll know they're going to be assessed and it's probably a step up from the normal first division game. So guys want to be very careful in terms of staying on their feet. And not, dive, uh, and not diving in because you would worry maybe that an early, an early red, red card could kind of scupper the chances. And uh, it's important that they keep their, their discipline. I suppose that is an important point, uh, Jason, because we always talk about, you know, hopefully players won't be too nervous and that they'll relish occasions where there's big support. But on the flip side of that, as Noel said, you kind of don't want players to almost relish it too much and get too carried away because even though Tommy said 
uh, tonight in his interview to me that you know this group are, are used to playing in front of bigger crowds for a while now. Nothing will compare to what's there, you'd imagine, Wednesday uh, for, for this group. And you know, even though you want players to feed off it, you obviously want you know kind of nerves of steel, but a, a calmness there as well with, with the players because they, they won't, some of them won't have been used to playing in front of what they're hoping will be nearly 2,000 anyway at the game Wednesday. Most definitely, Adrian. And look, I suppose you'll be looking to your Mark Luddens, you'll be looking to your Mark Walsh's, your Ty Grimes, to steady people around them, I suppose, you know, and, and like you said, keep focused on what's important and it's the result that's important. I suppose, look, UCD aren't by nature a dirty team, so you wouldn't expect it to be a, a physical encounter as such. You'd be just hoping that that treaty individually, I suppose, don't do anything rash, and especially early in the game. But as Noel quite rightly said, in this division, it's dangerous when you go off your feet. So it's that discipline around the pitch, I suppose, staying on your feet, jockeying people, showing them into the areas that you want them to go as opposed to just diving into challenges. But listen, it's an emotional game, Adrian, and that's what keeps us all so enthralled by it, you know, and that's why we love the game. So emotions will be running high. You'll be looking for leaders. You'll be looking for people to stand up and be counted. And you'll be looking for someone to steal the show. Yeah, definitely. And we hope that'll be in a candy stripe shirt uh, on Wednesday evening. And all... It's, it's a point, actually, that it won't be surprising to you, me or Jason, or anyone really with Treaty, that Mark Ludden leads the assists uh, due to, I suppose, the amount of corner deliveries. Then you see Anto Donnell with goals. That, obviously, forms a big part of any game. But one thing I noticed was that, you know, although Treaty have dominated a lot of sides uh, at set-piece time in the division, it's quite hard to dominate that UCD side. And uh, even in the game against Treaty recently, I noticed that they were quite strong themselves from set-pieces. And then they have the likes of your Sam Todd's, Harvey O'Brien's and, and Jack Keeney's as well. So it's not necessarily an area that Treaty will be stronger than UCD in, in comparison with than they have been in nearly every other team in the division. No, and that's the hallmark of the UCD teams is they all have two six-foot-plus centre-halves. Uh, center you can go back 15, 20, 25 years, and it's always the same. You know, that's what they always have, and they are hard to beat. But I, I think something that's worth mentioning as an assist is when it, is, is Mark Ludden's long throw, which is kind of has a different feel about it and could be a very important weapon in, in, in the next couple of games. But sure, um, you can be sure at this stage that um, the teams will have done their homework on treaty and their set plays and maybe you know I, I'm sure they got more set piece goals in the first half of the season than they did in the second because there was a lot of a lot of new players and there wasn't much homework if you like done on treaty at that stage but it's certainly done now and look um, a set piece goal will be massive and you still wouldn't rule it out because they're going to have a lot of good guys in the air as well treaty while UCD might have two or three good markers it might be there down in number four and number five where where, where the goal comes from. Yeah, and Jason, although we have spoken about, you know, the strengths of UCD, it's also, I suppose, key to point out that out of the top five teams, they have the worst defensive record by a bit of a distance as well. Uh, I know you kind of mentioned that as well in your piece about them a while a while ago. Um, you know, and Treaty have scored five goals against UCD in three encounters too, uh, despite losing two of those those three encounters. So, you know, there is uh, food for thought there and obviously for, for confidence in, in that treaty side going, going into this tie. Without a doubt, there's nothing to be afraid of. 
I keep saying it, it's it's been a magnificent season, Adrian, and and the club, I suppose, and Tommy and their players are just looking to sign off with another excellent performance. And, and they can be confident going into it, Adrian. They can have no worries. Let the worries aside. They've overachieved all season. Approach the game in the right way. Be patient. Myself and Noel have both said it. Don't go Harry Carey chasing around high up the pitch and leaving gaps for them to play through. And maybe they can be exposed and... No one said it earlier in the season. I'd agree with him. I've mentioned it earlier already. Maybe it's mentally that, that UCD can be got at. Maybe they can be a little bit fragile. If Treaty got a goal in front, you know, so without going looking for that goal, Adrian, be patient in the knowledge that if it comes, there may be room for two or three after. Yeah, and we certainly hope that happens on, on Wednesday as well. I suppose we'll have to turn our attention to the other semi-final now and the other tie, Noel, in the playoffs, which sees Galway against Bray Wanderers. Um, we know what to expect from Galway, I suppose, and they have been had a very good second half to the season, to, to be fair to them, pulled away in second place a, a good while back at this stage. Now, uh, we're not so certain about what we'll see from Bray all, at all, really. I mean, the other night, as I mentioned already, at one point, it looked like maybe they would be finishing fourth, and they absolutely capitulated and lost 5-2 to Exford, which was almost symptomatic of, of the way Bray have been this season, despite the fact that they actually have been quite solid defensively, but I mean results-wise, um, you couldn't have, as you mentioned last week, you know, if you're talking about momentum, you couldn't be in a worse situation if you're Bray in momentum. The only thing about it, I suppose, is that they always talk about that maybe these kind of things go out the window when it comes to playoffs, which is kind of almost like cup football, and that's what Bray will certainly be hoping for anyway. I think that's what will. It's like, despite their best efforts, Bray managed to get into the playoffs because... <laughs> Their form has been so bad. I mean, it could have been eight or nine on, on Friday night. Wexford were outstanding. And it's certainly, you know, we spoke about momentum going into, going into matches. They certainly don't have it. Yet again, you know, they could be one or two nil up after the first leg. But I've had a strong fancy all, all the year for Galway. Um, You know, they're the old dog for the hard road as well. They were in the playoffs last year. This is what they've been gearing up up for. You know, they're prob- they seem to be a bit more more set up and they have a bit more momentum than Bray and look I, I think it would be a shock if um, if anything other than a Galway victory occurred and look as you say you never know in a cup football but if you're if you're just dealing with the facts that's in front of you you know you have to see it being a, a Galway victory in, in the next three or four days Especially over two legs, you'd, you'd imagine that Galway would come out on top in, in that encounter. Jason, to, to finish uh, the evening, I suppose, we'll, we'll go on to a bit about uh, Limerick District Junior Football. To start with, it was an unbelievable weekend for Fairview Rangers, to be fair. They were crowned All-Ireland Champions, President Cup Champions, uh, to beat Willow Bank on penalties. They showed us once again, I suppose, why they're worthy champions and, and worthy league challengers, FEI challengers, because they were 2-0 down in that game and fought right until the final whistle, scoring an injury time through Rossman to bring it to penalties. And then, of course, Aaron Savage maybe tops himself even more, but normally gets a normally gets one penalty save, maybe two, but he saved three penalties in the game. Uh, a huge victory for uh, Fairview Rangers and, and Jason Purcell. Great achievement, Adrian. And- and I said it last week that I expected them to go and represent Limerick um, as a as a footballing city in, in in the right way. And you wouldn't expect anything else from Fairview. Obviously, two down at half time. I think fitness caught up with the opposition a little bit, and Fairview drove on strong in the second half. 
Um, speaking to, to Paul O'Donnell, who I do every week, um, he kind of suggested that if there was extra time, that it probably wouldn't have, have even seen penalties that, that Fairview looked by far the stronger team at that point. But I suppose we couldn't go without mentioning Aaron Savage. He's unbelievable in the, in the penalty shootouts. Adrian, he's shown that numerous occasions. And, and it's a great title to add to the, to the cupboard for Fairview. It's their first time winning it. So I'm sure they're delighted. Yeah, and certainly if you're if you're Jamesborough, you, you we're not envious of Jamesborough's task, I suppose, when on Thursday evening they play Fairview in, in the two-week cup and there's always a hunger there for from Fairview Rangers to win trophies and, and that won't be abated, even though they just won that game on Saturday. So it will be a tough night for, for Jamesborough. But again, as we say, cup football, maybe you never know. Yeah, we don't know, Adrian. I think Jamesborough will be will be glad just to get out on the pitch. They haven't had a game for, yeah. for three weeks and I know they've got some important league games coming up, so they won't mind the game on, on Thursday night against Fairview. Obviously, Fairview going a strong favourites. There's no doubt about that. They have a massive squad and, and they'll be looking to win every trophy that they enter this year. But as I said, it's cup football. You just never know. And it's an important game for James, but to get some minutes into the players and, and to get them riled up again for, for the games coming up.